Hey, I'm Stevie. What's up? I'm Monty J. And you're listening to the Bookshelf Boyfriends Podcast. Where we take a deep dive with your favorite contemporary romance authors. Asking them questions about everything from their writing process to their reading habits, plus so much more. Join us as we help you find your next Bookshelf Boyfriend. Happy anniversary to the Bookshelf Boyfriends podcast. One year of Bookshelf Boyfriends, one year of podcasts, one year of listening to me talk about God knows what. <laughs> Damn, I don't know, on whatever you listen to, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever. Google Play. Uh, Google Play, whatever it is that you listen to. Um this has been set this is day five right yep it has been an amazing five days so far we've talked to so many amazing people it's been so much fun and i'm just so excited for the rest of the 14 days and we're even more excited because we're being joined by one of your favorites we are i wish i felt i wish i felt better but one of my favorite authors is coming on today she would come on when I feel like I'm dying. <laughs> I feel like your excitement level will still be high, though. I'm going to try. It's hard just to be excited. Just remember, we record. You can go to bed till tomorrow. <laughs> we get up I and do it again. <laughs> that's literally all I've been doing. It's oh. fine. Like, it, it's working. We're making it work without killing you. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um... I'm trying to think, do you have anything you want to tell tell anybody? Today's um, giveaway is enemies to lovers, ooh, ooh. which seems to be a theme for this podcast because almost every single person says they like writing enemies to lovers. Or that's what they want their trope to be. Right. Like, I, I, I'm here for a good enemies to lovers. You and me both. You and me I both. like hate sex and it works. <laughs> Same same um trying to think of anything that i need to say i don't think i have anything um Super. as always wait till the end of the podcast and we'll tell you who's next yeah which is very exciting um we have patreon make sure you guys go check that out if you can't donate to the patreon make sure you leave a review or tell somebody about us or just listen to us on your way to work Anything helps at this point. Anything helps. Our guest is here. I'm so excited. Me too. I am going to go ahead and read her intro and then we're going to go chat with her. JT Gessinger is a a number one internationally best-selling author of 27 novels ranging from funny, feisty rom-coms to intense, edgy suspense. Her books have sold over 5 million copies and been translated into more than a dozen languages. She is a three-time nominee in both Contemporary and Paranormal Romance for the Rita Award and the highest distinction in romance fiction from the Romance Writers of America. She is the recipient of the PRISM Award for the Best First Book and the College Quill Award for Best Paranormal Urban Fantasy. She's a California native currently living in Nevada with her husband and rescue kitty Zoe. Without further ado, let's go chat with JT Gessinger. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bookshelf Boyfriends podcast. JT Gessinger, welcome. Hi, guys. <laughs> Did I say your me. last name right? 
Guy Singer, like a male vocalist. Guy Singer. Oh Guy my Singer. God. See, I knew it. I Nobody pronounces it right. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> also, I'm like Southern and dyslexic. So I love it. <laughs> I was definitely not, I was set up for failure from the beginning. Yeah. It's not an easy one. I married into that name. So <laughs> 100% asked for that before I did that. I knew I should have. I knew I was forgetting something. It's cool. Damn it. Okay. Anyways, I'm sorry. That's okay. That's we okay. are super excited to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I would ask you that the first thing I ask people is like how the weather is where you're at, but you just <laughs> told us that it's very awful. So yeah. maybe that's yeah, not well, good. The weather in Scottsdale, where I am right now, is is beautiful. It's like, well, it's going to be 112 or something today, so that's a little sketchy, but <laughs> but it's clear, yeah. So where I where I live in Tahoe, as I was telling you guys before, the the wildfire smoke is just so bad. We we basically self evacuated. We we left. So now, but now here I am in my lovely hotel room in Scottsdale. So <laughs> it's all good. I hope that a hey, 112. Oh my God, no, thank you. I know. That's too hot. Too much. I just, too I'm much just time. having a lot of margaritas, so it's okay. I'll power yeah. through. <laughs> we love it. We love it. Um, so we are going to jump right into questions about your books. Okay. Now, the hardest thing that I have ever had to do in my life was oh to pick God. which books to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> because I was like, oh my God, I don't know. Like, I want to talk about all of them. But then that would take like nine hours. Like, I feel like I would have like 5,000 questions for each book. So have and you read all of them or? Yes, I have read all of them. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So from like the Bad Habits series to like my favorite book couple in the history of forever, Tabitha and Connor in the Wicked Game series. Yeah. Like, I, oh my God, I literally love them with my whole soul. Okay. <laughs> so I have loved all of your books, but I want to talk about the uh, three in particular that are probably, well, I'm going to talk about two of your most recent and then my most favorite, which is Midnight Valentine. Mm. I recommend this book to, I can't tell you how many people. Okay. Like anytime somebody's like, I want to start reading romance. I'm like, you need to read this book immediately, <laughs> immediately. Okay. I love so it. My evil it is, plan is working. Everybody's reading my books. <laughs> it's definitely working. So it's my all time favorite standalone ever. I felt like every single emotion in this book for Megan, for Cass and for Theo. And I have like been waiting my whole life. It feels like to ask you what inspired this book. Oh, Okay. So that's probably the number one question I get, not that specifically about Midnight Valentine, but about all my books, you know, where does your in inspiration come from? Yeah. Um, and I, I really should come up with something really pithy and super smart and like this great story about it. But the thing is, is that it's kind of like a mystery to me. So when I started writing Midnight Valentine, and this happens in almost all of my books, I didn't know who Theo was. Okay. okay. I knew that Megan was a widow and I knew her backstory. Um, mm -hmm. but I just started with this conflict of her moving to a new town and here's this really grouchy, interesting guy. So as the story goes along, there's a part in it where I just stopped and I went, Oh my God, what if, right. And I do that a lot in my books. I kind of go, what if this is really going on? And then it's the story sort of takes a turn from there. Um, so yeah, the process is very organic. I don't, I don't sit down and write it all out. I don't exactly know what's going to happen before. And that makes me much more interested in writing it. It's more fun for me. My husband laughs at me. He'll be in the other room and he's like, why are you in there laughing? It's like, because the character said something so funny. And I just think it's really funny. And he's like, you realize that you're writing these people, right? Like they're not real. Yeah. I'm like, go away. <laughs> they're, they're real to me. <laughs> yes. These are my people. So yeah, I, um, it was just kind of a, and I'm really drawn to stories that are 
um, that have kind of a, like a quirky side to them, not your traditional that, you know, this is going to happen. I love twists and I love to throw that in there. So if something super random occurs to me, I just put it in and I see where it's going to go. And I try and trust that it's all going to work out in the end and, and, um, knock wood, but you know, it has so far. So that it definitely worked on this one because (laughs) I was like reading it and as I was reading it. I was like, oh no, she is not doing this to me right now. She did you not- figure out like who he was? Like, did you know, or did you okay. know going into the book? So I, okay. So I have like this thing where like I'm reading where, okay. So like when it's the funniest thing ever, like my husband laughs at me all the time. I'll be like reading, but I'll be like having a conversation with like the characters. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be like, girl, girl, I know good and damn well. I need you to stop it immediately. And like, I have like conversations with him. And then basically I'll be trying to like figure out the plot as you're, as I'm going. Right. And I'm like picking up little things along the way. I was like, girl, I was like, I know this author I ain't about to do this to me right now. I was mm-hmm. like, cause I have like different theories. I was like, okay. I was like, they're related. I was like, maybe they're related. And then I was like, nah, it's not going to work. And I was like, I don't, I don't even know. Like you had me so like, me- like I knew there was like some type of a connection, but you had me like so twisted up that I was like, I don't know. This could be anything at this point. And I'm, I just, I'm, I'm here for the rod. Okay. I'm just here for the rod. I wasn't a hundred percent sure until I wrote that scene at the end in the hospital where he wakes up and then what yes. he says to her, I don't want to ruin it for people who haven't read the book, but what he says to her and she just kind of passes out from shock and, and then like, that's it. So I had to go back through the book and make sure that all these little Easter eggs and all these little things kind of leading up to it made sense for that ending. Yeah. For like the bear claws and the sweet peas. Oh my God. Yep. The sweet pea like did me in. Like, I think that was like, it's, it's like the first few chapters that's in there. And yeah. I'm like, like crying immediately I'm like, oh, oh, my god. oh my god this is not happening to me anyway oh, I love it I love it yeah no. it's so weird for me to, he- to hear people talk about my books because when I'm writing them I'm just I'm just kind of um in the flow and I'm just sort of doing my thing and I I love it so much and then once I'm done with the book it goes out into the world and I really have no idea how people are gonna um, react to it or interact with it, you know? Yeah. And so it's fun for me to, to hear you guys, you know, enjoying it so much. I'm like, I just, I get such a kick out of it. <laughs> so thank you for reading my work. <laughs> You're very welcome. It was very good. I oh. love this book. Um, so I was, I read this book at my night shift job and I was like oh. pacing back and forth. Like it was on my Kindle. I was like pacing back and forth, like ugly crying when I finished nice. it. I just want to say that I'm so, that if you would have, if you would have wrote the book, because I read the acknowledgements at the end of it, yeah. if you would have done what you were going to do originally, yeah. you would have ripped my heart out. You I hear that a lot. Ripped my heart out, okay? <laughs> I just couldn't do it at the, at the end. I just, because I, I, I love the kind of books I like to read everybody dies at the end. That's what I love. Right. Yeah, and yeah. a movie is like, I just love that. It's all the drama. And, and then you just walk away and you're like, oh. but in this particular case, I just felt like they went through so much. It would have just been too much. Right. It would have been like no. Megan, poor Megan, bro. I would have been, don't do that to that girl. Please. Jesus. Don't do it. Yeah. Like too much. Did so, you ever see the movie seven? I think it, no, it was seven pounds or something like that. It was Will it was Smith. Will Smith. And, uh, yes. Okay. So I kind of love that ending where like, he's gone. Right. But he's done this great. So I was kind of headed toward that. And, but when I got there, I said, no, I can't do it. It's too sad. So happy endings are good. Was this story hard for you to write because of all of the emotions? Like not only is she a widow, but 
you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but she's also had like another major loss um, mm-hmm. with that accident. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, was it hard for you because of all the emotions? Um, I love characters with tragic backstories because it makes them more interesting people. Like nobody yes. wants to read a book about the happy people, right? So you have to, I mean, life is hard and shit happens. And so you have to have these real things in there that people can connect with. But um, I know when I start, when I'm writing a book and I start to either sweat or laugh or cry or something that I'm that I'm going in the right direction. And that usually happens with my books. There'll be some point where I'm just like shaking and stuff. So it's hard in the sense that um, I'm, physically affected by it, which sounds cuckoo, but you know, I, I sit there and I write and I just, it's so in my head and it's in my body too. I start writing it and I just, yeah. I'm into it, but that's the only way I think that it's, it's good. If you didn't have that, if you're just sitting there typing and it's this dry little story, I mean, there's nothing there. What's the fun in that? You need to have all the angst in there. So Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's hard, but it's, so but well. it's, but it's good. And I'm very good at once that book is done, like half the time, I don't even remember who the characters are. I go on to the next book and it's like, see ya, bye. I'm, I'm onto my next project. <laughs> and people will write me like, oh my God, you know, so-and-so had this card. And I'm just like, I don't even know who you're talking about. I'll have to go back and look at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You're dead to me. I know. <laughs> so this, this story kind of plays on the theme of almost like reincarnation. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to know, do you yourself believe in reincarnation? Um, I don't not believe, but I don't believe either. If that makes sense. Um, I don't know. So part, part of me wants to believe my head says no way, but my heart says, wouldn't that be wonderful? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm sort of up in the air. I don't know. I, I know that's not a satisfying. <laughs> answer, when I was reading, and I was answer. trying to like piece this together because I'm also a very, like, I, I like reading, like, thrillers. Like, Stephen King is one of my favorite authors. And mm-hmm. so, like, I like reading, like, horror. And so, obviously, when you're reading books like that, you're constantly, like, trying to figure out, like, the underlying plot and pick up yeah. on, like, little things, right? So, when I was reading this, I was like, oh, my God, I bet, like, he donated his eyeballs. Like, he was an organ donor. Like, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, my God, he donated his organs. Isn't that and fun? Like, that's part of the fun of reading that, like, people who don't yes. read, don't get that you just have all of these theories in your head. Mm-hmm. And as you get to know the characters, you become so much more invested. But, um, yeah. <laughs> and I, so, and this is, this is going to sound so crazy, but this should tell you how bright this book is. So, I have a friend who is a very, very picky romance reader. Like, okay. she, I call them, like, Melissa uh, Triggers. Okay, that's her name is Melissa. Melissa and, Yes, yeah, she cannot read books that like, I mean, okay. If the hero and the heroine meet each other. Okay. If uh-huh. they, if he glances at another woman after yeah. the meet you game over, do not, she's not reading it. Okay. Yeah. She's very picky with certain things and mm-hmm. she's not big on like, like widow, like couple, like she's not big on like, if the, the love of the life dies and then like, mm-hmm. she like gets remarried or like falls in love or whatever. But yeah. I was like, Melissa, I was like, I found a loophole. I was like, you just need right? Don't read it. I was like, read Midnight Valentine. It's the best loophole ever. I love it. Yeah, it is kind of a loophole. Okay. I never thought of it that way. But yeah, I never have, I don't have cheating in my books because I hate that. I hate that. Um, to me, that's totally irredeemable. That like, if a guy is kind of, it's one thing if they don't know each other and he's, you know, he's kind of a, a rake or whatever you want to call him. He's kind of a baller, like he's an alpha. And, he, and then yeah. he meets her and then she's a game changer. But yeah, I don't like to have all the, that's why I could never write like reverse harem or, or whatever, where the guy, you know, I don't know. I just can't do that. It's like, for me, it's all about true love, soulmates, yeah. like from the get-go. So yeah. Well, this book. Well, thank is you for being a uh, 
uh, my PR person for that book. I love that. <laughs> you're, you're most welcome. You're most welcome. That's great. So we're going to move on to like your most recent stuff, which is Queens and Monsters series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to let Stevie handle the Ruthless Creatures one. Okay. Um, and then I'll take Carnal Urges because we got to talk about Sloan, lady. Okay. Ah, Sloan, <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, you like Sloan better than Declan even. I like that. Okay. Listen, I mean, I mean, probably. Okay. I mean, she's just like queen material. I mean, Declan's hot. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm sorry, Sloan's like queen material. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry, go. Well, I will say too, is that we've done boxes on Instagram of people recommending authors. You are by far the most recommended author. You're kidding. For this Bring podcast. <laughs> wow. I like that. Thank you. You're so sure. many. We it's actually because- did a live with, um, what uh fit teacher rachel from tiktok and she is obsessed with you oh yeah (laughs) i'm not even in a good way or like do a good way like lock my door (laughs) she no she has been dread every book i think at this point and talks about it on her instagram it's literally you guys you don't know how satisfying that is for me to hear because when i first started writing like i was 40 years old like i had this i had a career before that and i had no idea that i was going to be a writer i just loved books and i really just wanted to connect with one reader i just wanted someone to read my book and love it and so now that i have 27 novels out you know and and people are still discovering me you know and i just feel like it's so satisfying to hear people be excited about my work so thank you for that i love that (laughs) I think it's honestly because you have such a, I, okay, so like when I pick up books by you, even if the trope and like the vibe of the book is completely different, like for example, like you have like a rock star series with Bad Habit, right? Mm-hmm, and each mm-hmm. one of those books, oh my God, which is, I think it's Make Me Sin. I think, no. AJ. Yeah. I think AJ it's Make, is that the one with the, when he's, he not, I don't want to spoil it. The drummer? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So you have like each of those books have like each of those books have like their own trope right but yep. if you just going from like bad habits to like the wicked game series like mm-hmm. oh my god like completely different but then you totally. go from those to like the slow burn series and yeah. those are completely different vibe too and it's like i pick up anything by you and it's like you have a very particular like cadence like i know that i'm definitely reading a book by you but it's like mm-hmm. i just never know what i'm going to be getting into ever <laughs> which is the best part. <laughs> world domination. Yeah, <laughs> right? Cue evil laughter and world domination. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> the best part. All okay, right, go so ahead. Ruthless Creatures is actually the book I just started. Okay. So I just started this book. So where um, are you in the I'm book? I'm like very early on because I had to finish an arc first. Okay. And MJ made me download this book actually. Because it's so good, okay? Because are you at the part normally, I'm not huge on mafia. But yeah. she she insisted that this would be one that I actually liked. Absolutely. Well, because my mafia books aren't really about the mafia. It's about the relationship between, he just, that's his job, right? So it's yeah, kind yeah, of a yeah. thing that he does in the background. It's not like the whole, you know, and when I started writing the book, um, like, I don't even care about the trope, really. I care about the couple, the conflict, like what's happening. Yeah, and I yeah, love yeah. to start a story where the woman has no idea, like, what is the deal with that guy? You know, so she starts yeah. becoming really more, not obsessed, but just like, I, and the reader doesn't know, like, why does he keep showing up? What is this guy doing? You know, so it creates kind of a sense of intrigue. Um, and I like to do that. So yeah, but Cage, once you get into that, oh my Bro, God. he is delicious. He I is mean, such a dirty talker. I was writing this book and I'm just like, 
Like the things that would come out of his mouth, I was just, I shocked myself. So I don't know if you've gotten there yet, but there's a this scene. This is probably one yet, of the dirtiest I'm books. looking forward to it now. Dude. This is probably one of the dirtiest books I have. I think this is one of your most dirtiest books. Okay? It is. Yeah. Like Kate, I was just like, uh, this sir? <laughs> and you know, the funny thing is like, if someone said that to me in real life, I'd be like, oh no, you didn't. Like your, your body will never be found, sir. But, but in the, in the, <laughs> this works in these, in these kind of fantasy situations where you're just like, oh, that's so hot. Oh my God. But in real life, it's like, no, I'm calling the police now. I'm sorry. Absolutely. <laughs> but, so what yeah. made you want to start a mafia series? Well, I had written um, Beautifully Cruel and mm-hmm. Cruel Paradise, and that was another book cool. where I started writing it, and I didn't know. I actually thought at one point it was going to be a paranormal book. I, I, I thought he was going to be like a wolf, a, a werewolf, because she keeps calling him the wolf, and, and, I, and at one point there's something in a conversation, and I'm like, is this guy a werewolf? But I said no, so I went, and then he just became this mafia guy, so it wasn't like I planned it, because um, I just don't plan what's going to happen. It's, it's more satisfying for me that way. And hopefully it's more satisfying for the reader. But once I got into it, the whole mafia thing, it's good because you can have a bad guy who's actually a good guy, right? Or is he, or is he a good guy that does bad things? Like, I don't know. I like that sort of thing where you're not He's not good, but he's not. Yeah. I mean, hmm, I don't know. It's just sexy, right? Mafia is kind of sexy. It teeters a line. Yeah. There's a morally gray lover. I love him. Love you it. know, and I like, I, I love alpha males. Like I, so you got to look at like who, and I'm never going to do politicians. That doesn't turn me on at all, but you got to look at like the world of men, mm-hmm. you know, what do men do where they're, where they're super alpha and they can play outside the rules. They don't have to be, you know, so I, you know, the CEO billionaire thing is cool too, but they're just not bad enough for me sometimes. Like they got to be a little bad, right? They got to have a little yeah, yeah. So I like that. So that's why I kind of like the mafia thing. And I, and I kept it going with the Queens and Monsters series. So love it. So love it. Natalie's been through a lot. Yeah, poor thing. I know. I put her through the ringer. <laughs> yes, you did, ma'am. Yes, you did. You had no mercy for her at all. Hi, Natalie. I know. I was like, damn. Yeah. Damn. I, I just kept reading and I just kept finding more out. Like that and shit had went wrong with her in her life. And I was like, damn okay but that's the same with like tabitha and you know tabby and Bro, from the, don't yeah, play so no games with tabitha. so there's this quote and i'm totally gonna botch it but it it's khalil gibran is one of my favorite writers he's this sort of ancient esoteric lebanese philosopher right so um he he said something to the effect of um like uh, the strongest souls are, you know, have the most scars or something like that. I totally botched it, but I like to have characters who got their strength because they went through so much shit in their life. And so, and my female characters are never just like, you know, virgins. No, they are not virgins. They have life experience. They've gone through a lot. They've been kicked down. So by the time they get their happily ever after, it's kind of more satisfying because it's more, there's the stakes are higher. They know what they're doing. They know themselves a little bit more, which Mm -hmm. is why I usually don't write, you know, very young, um, like teenage young adult stuff, because I would just be like, (laughs) like, why are you doing that? You know, (laughs) but yeah, so poor Nat, I did put her through the ringer, but it it worked out in the end. (laughs) So who inspired her for you? Natalie, um, 
not really anybody. Again, I just like to, I, so usually I start with like a conflict. I have two characters and a conflict. Sometimes I don't even know their names. Um, and I'll start, I'll start writing it. And then the character sort of tells me who they are, which sounds super woo woo and kooky. But, the, but as I go along, I discover things about the character and I, and I make them um, more complex. So it's kind of like people that I've known in my life, I take little bits and pieces from or, or characters that I've read that I like, you know, it's, it's all kind of a, a melting pot of different things. And as I'm writing the story, different uh, things happen that sort of tell me something new about the character, the different situations they get in. So it's really not that there's any like one thing that, that kicked it off. Sometimes I just like to start uh, writing a book and see where it goes. And then, yeah. I and then I like letting it go where it's gonna go. It takes on a life of its own. I, I like that. <laughs> after, after I don't like the force things, you know? Just let it, no, let then, it yeah. go, let it be, let, let, and see what happens. After we finish these ruthless creature, creatures questions, I do have a question about Tabitha. I told myself I wasn't going to fucking ask more questions and what I had put on this fucking thing, but I have to ask. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> we're continuing. We're continuing. Okay. So did um, the chemistry come natural to you for this book? When you were writing them? Yes. Okay. And one of the reasons is, this is going to sound kind of bad, but um, both of my parents passed away within the last several years and um once that happened I didn't I didn't mean for this to happen but once that happened I think I became a little bit more free in what I was going to say and okay. I'm only thinking that now in retrospect but like when I started writing Ruthless Creatures I knew that he was going to be I knew that Cage was just going to be very intense and he was going to have this way of saying things that would just throw throw her off you know off kilter so Everybody I just off kilter when it threw me off kilter because it went I swear to god it's like it's not even coming from me I write this stuff down and I'm just like oh, whoa okay that was that was hardcore dude you know and yeah. so I'm like, I'll just leave it in for now because I, I totally thought I was going to take it out that first scene in the restaurant with what he says to her um and she doesn't even barely know the guy and she just she's just like I can't deal with this and I'm like sister me either and so she runs out yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'll just leave it there until the end of the book. But he just kept getting more and more and more that way. And I'm like, well, this, I guess this is just who he is. We're leaving it in. And I was really scared about how people were going to perceive it because, you know, my books before that, um, there's, there's some, you know, sexy talk and there's sexy times and everything, but cage was just like a whole different animal. So I'm like, oh, I'm going with it. So then, you know, I, then everybody loved it. And I said, oh, whew. all right. It's okay. Sweat off my brow. Yeah. Like, good Lord. Because I like to take chances, you know, I know there's, there's a lot of authors who have very specific brands and every time you pick up the book, and this is actually very smart, it's one of the reasons they're successful. Every time you pick up one of their books, you know exactly what you're going to get. It's going to be a satisfying experience. With me, you don't know what you're going to get because I just write what I'm in the mood for. I don't write what, you know, I should be doing next or whatever. I write what feels natural. And so to me, that's the only way to do it. I wouldn't know how to do it in any other way. So, and that's what I love about you. That's what I love about you. That's why I love your books so much. I love them. So thank don't you. even, don't ever change. Yeah, I, uh, I thank you. I wouldn't be able to, but thank you. That's very gratifying to hear. So yes, the, the chemistry came naturally. I just was like, I'm just going to let this flow. And like, whew, I would literally be sweating when I was writing the book. I'm like, oh my God, I have to get I'm winging it. And Having a hot flash, girl. Like, yes. <laughs> so so we're going to move on to book two, which is Carnal Urges. Now, yep. Salone not only was like a really great side character in the first book, 
I in in this book I was like this lady I I love when I love when a female character like don't be wrong like I love an alpha male I love a hot guy but I love when I read a book and like the female is like my favorite character I'm like yes I love her I felt like she was just like the star of her own little Broadway show she was so in she when I found out this was her book I was super excited Mm -hmm. and I want to know what it was like writing an entire book full of this over-the-toply amazing badass heroine. What was it like? Fun. It was really fun. And the thing about Sloane is um, she kind of, I mean, she demanded her own book, right? Because in book one, she almost took over, she stole so many scenes and she almost took over the whole situation. So I'm like, okay, this girl needs a book. So then, you know, she gets kidnapped in the epilogue. It's like, well, here we go. But the thing about her book is that she's such a specific character. Mm-hmm. I I rewrote that first chapter of um, Carnal Urges like five times because I'm just like, it has to be right. It has to be her. So I kept coming at it from different angles and I, and I never do that. I usually start and just go straight through. And with her, I, I was just like, it's not right. It's not right. It's not right. Until, you know, she wakes up and she just does, doesn't give an F. Like, she's like, Who is, okay, whatever. She's not impressed by any of these guys. She's not scared. And they, and I, it's so, it was just so much fun because they did not know what to make of her because they're these, you know, violent alpha males who are just used to throwing their weight around in the world. And she's like, whatever. So it was a blast. I love her. So yeah. I think Declan is the perfect match for her. I think his like dry, grumpy humor rivaled her snarkiness. And when you were pairing the two of them together, what was like one quality you knew you had to give Declan in order for him to be with somebody like Sloan? Um, well, two things. They're both alphas. Like, so, so Sloan is an alpha herself. He's an alpha. But because he's used to being um, the number two guy, you know, uh, he he was always used to that. He's used to being the support role. He doesn't have as much of that, I I guess, fragile ego. Like he can be the one who steps aside and lets somebody else. And so I think with Sloan being the powerhouse, like, you know, whatever that she is, he was able to accept that and not be intimidated by her he was just like he was very confused and annoyed and then super intrigued right instead of just being like I can't stand this woman I'll never like this woman and he started off there but you know I think he just because he was used to kind of being in a number two role a lot of the time before he became number one he was okay with having this this woman you know call the shots so we love a we love an alpha male who's not afraid to let his woman be a badass so Book three, which is Savage Hearts, is releasing when? October 29th. What can we expect? I can't tell you. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Well, well, because the ending of of book two was very, you know. I know. I was trying to get it out of you. Yeah. And it it was like a big clicking. So everyone is like, okay, is it going to be Diego's book? And I'm like, is it? I don't know. Or is it, you know, or is it going to be a continuation of, you know, the whole, the two books before, you know, I don't, I can't tell you because it'll kind of ruin the whole thing. And there's also been things that have been happening in like the Beautifully Cruel series and other series too, that are coming up back around. So. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I'm so (laughs) excited. Okay. So my final question for you before we move on is so Tabitha. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever seen Criminal Minds? Nope. Okay. Well, it's a TV show. 
and she literally reminds me of reminds me of Penelope Garcia and reminds me of Derek Morgan and they have like this relation she's a technical analyst like for the FBI and Mm -hmm. he's like and he's like one of the detectives for the team Mm -hmm. and they have like this very like flirtatiously cute relationship or whatever okay I want to know where in the flip did you get this idea to make this like badass like she's like a technical analyst she can she's like a she also can speak like nine thousand languages she's got like tattoos all over the place she's pierced all over the place not only that does she have stockholm syndrome and she's obsessed with hell kitty like where what even like how did you even like put these qualities together to make this person sometimes you know i don't know um I really, for Connor, because he's such a swaggering kind of, he, but he's also kind of laid back, you know, I yeah. liked that they had that, that little banter in, in the first book where she just, she thought he was an idiot, right? Because she's used yeah. to being smarter than everybody in the room. And I wanted her to be matched with somebody who she underestimated because normally people kind of underestimate her because of the way that she looks and presents herself and everything, but she's always the smartest person in the room. So when she meets uh, Connor, um, there's that nice sort of uh, conflict between the two of them that, that, and he also, even though he's a big alpha, he just admires how smart she is and how competent she is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so Tabby is just another one of those people who I'm telling you, sometimes in my books, the secondary characters, they just take on a life of their own. And I'm like, you need a book, right? Cause you're just I feel like I reread their book at least once a month. Oh, it's like they're like one of my favorite book couples, and it's like they do have a great love story. Um, yeah, and she has a horrible background, right? What happened to what I put that poor girl through and everything, but um, I know interesting. This is how messed up in the head I am. So, I also read like extremely dark romance, okay? And I was like, but the redemption arc for Soren, (laughs) oh no, well, no, he's dead. (laughs) I was like. Like read okay, not okay. When I was reading, like in the beginning of it, right? Like it was like yeah. not in the thick of it. Like when I found out everything, I was like, ew, bro. Okay, never mind. Yeah. But yeah. When I was like in the start of it, I was like, I mean, I get it though, Tabby. Like, I get it. Yeah. I do, I do actually want to write a really bad character who eventually does get redeemed, but I think it would take a few books. Like he's the baddie at the beginning and he does really bad things, but then you kind of find out why. And then he has his own little redemption arc, but no, not Soren. He was just a sick fuck. So I would read it. (laughs) Okay. Okay, good. All right. So that is our last question for you for book questions. I'm going to let Stevie handle the reading questions and then we'll move on to writing questions. Okay. Okay, so what is the most unappreciated book for you? That I've written? It could be one that you've written. It could be any one that you've read. The most unappreciated book? Um, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think about, because I, I read a lot. Um, and I don't read a lot of... Uh, there's a book, I'm trying to think of the book that I've read that, that everyone absolutely hated. And I'm like, it's so beautiful. I like books that are written really well, technically, like the language is beautiful. Okay. Yeah. So here's one. So Lainey Taylor is an, is an author who I think is 
totally underappreciated. She's an artist and she um, writes these words where I'll, I'll sit back and I'll just look at the sentence for like five minutes going, I can't believe how this sentence is constructed. It's kind of a geeky writer thing. Um, but there's a book called um, Daughter of Smoke and Bone, which is one of my favorite books of all time. And it is a, it's a saga. It's a three book saga. Um, and there's paranormal in it, but at the heart of it, um, at the heart of it, it's a love story, but it's about, it's about enemies who have to learn how to understand each other. And sometimes if you just have a little connection with someone who you think you're supposed to hate or not like, or, or you're just so different from a little, some little um, experience with them can change your mind and then maybe change the world. And I love the backs, the, the, the message behind these books. You think you're just reading romance, but you're not, you're kind of reading about how to change the world. So, um, Lainey Taylor, uh, daughter of smoke and bone is probably the most underappreciated, but, and, and I read the reviews and I'm like, how can you people not get the artistry of this book? They're just like, I don't know. It was okay. And I'm like, no, it's amazing. <laughs> so I, I tell people, I, I go I, off of bad reviews sometimes. Like if the bad reviews are most likely the books I like. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, there's too much sex. You're like, one click, bought it. Add to cart. <laughs> Add to cart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, so another book that I really recommend um, by you is Burn For You. Okay. I talk about this book all the time because I'm like, I'm not even joking when I tell you that I recommend your books to everybody. It's not even funny. I love that. I, I just be pimping you out left and right. It's not even funny. I love Burn For You. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, listen to me like from like the dialect like the, yeah. it's so you're it's so like oh my god I, I can't even well, it's nice because it. you're southern so you can't you know a lot of people were like oh it's so overdone and I'm like but I know people that are southern and this is how they talk so oh my god the dialect the like the funny comments that Bianca makes and like and the cooks like in the kitchen and like the funny jokes and like the metaphors and like all of the, um, I was just like, this is amazing. I love this snark. You know, I'm very snarky and sarcastic and I have a very cynical, dry sense of humor. So a lot of that comes out in my, in my characters. I love snark. <laughs> yeah. And my grandmother is from Louisiana. And I was oh. like, oh my God, this is so good. Well, it's kind of easy to write a book about a New Orleans chef, right? Because it's, it's all there, all the stuff, all the material to work with. So I, love that. I, I like that book too. Serving me modern day princess and the frog. I was like, yes. <laughs> yep. I loved it. A lot of my books have fairy tale elements to them. One of my favorite tropes is like Beauty and the Beast, kind of a trope. So, so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of fairy tale stuff that goes in there, and that that series specifically, they're all based on fairy tales. I mean, yep. because they're just classic stories that you can kind of relate to and manipulate in a million different ways to be a new thing. But you kind of always know what that basis is. So, and I love them. Yay! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Awesome. So what attracts you to a book, the cover, a blurb or a recommendation from someone? Usually a blurb. Um, covers, I think, are, are a lot of times hit or miss. I mean, if it's a really gorgeous cover, then I like that. Typically with romance covers, I try, I try not to pay too much attention to it because with romance specifically, you're, you're selling the trope, right? So it's, there's a lot of bare chested guys. Okay. That doesn't really help me know what the story is about. You do, but it's like, okay, whatever. Yeah. So the, so the, um, the blurb has to be intriguing enough without giving away the whole story, you know, just, mm -hmm. just hook it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then, um, 
And then the reviews. And I'm like you, I, I read some bad reviews too, because you get a lot of good clues in there. Um, and what people don't like about books is very specific. Like I said before, oh, there's too much sex or there's too much cursing. You know, um, some of my books, like the one-star reviews will be like, you know, th there was just, there was, it was insta-love. And I'm like, well, okay. You know, so that, so that doesn't turn me away from a book. Yeah. Um, but also if I, if I read, I read, um, like if I read somewhere in some reader group and everyone's raving about it, I'll go check it out. And then I'll look at the sample just to see the writing style. Cause to me, if you don't have a writing style that I think is interesting within a, within a page, I'm not reading the book. I just won't even give it a chance. So I like, too I like it. to read bad books. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> So who are some of your favorite authors to read? Um, I like reading dark literary fiction. So I don't know why for a romance romer, but uh, writer, but um, I love Cormac McCarthy. Um, I think The Road is like a masterpiece of literature. And it's, I mean, again, everybody dies at the end, you know, but it's, it's so <laughs> well written and it's so bleak. And it's just like, <gasps> and I cry. I love to cry in a book. I just love to wring myself out. And at the end, I'm like, oh my God, it was so good. My husband's like, why would you put yourself through that? Like, <laughs> because it's amazing. Because <laughs> it's an experience. Like I want to feel all the things and I do too much, but <laughs> um, so Cormac McCarthy, Lainey Taylor is another one of my favorites. Um, I just discovered a new author. Her name is Robin Lee. Um, and she only has one novel out and it's called The Idea of You. And it's the best thing I've read in 10 years. Um, and it doesn't have a happy ending, but it is a romance. And some, I, something about things that don't have a happy ending to me are just a little bit more profound. Like that's real life. Yeah. But you know, you don't, you don't always want to read that you need, you need happy endings sometimes, which is, you know, why I write it. But, um, every once in a while you come across something that just rips your heart out. And that book did because it was so real. It's about an older woman and a younger man. Um, and she has a daughter and, uh, it's just like, so, oh God, I gotta read it. Oh God, it's so good. I'm gonna read it now. <laughs> so good. And I, I never, I never, ever, ever fangirl. I never write authors. I don't, I just don't. And so, but I wrote her, I went into her Facebook reader group and I'm just like, I just have to tell you that this is the best book that I've read in a decade. And I, it's, it's probably, I don't want to oversell it because then you'll be like, what's so great, you know, but this is just my opinion. Um, it's, it's, it's almost perfectly written. Just the cadence of the word, the way everything flows, the characters that you think should not at all be attracted to each other, or it's just like everything works and it's magic. And then at the end, you're just like, oh, <laughs> I could, that's what I love. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I recommend that listen to you talk about books you like for like years. Oh God. So I'm a, I'm a reader first and foremost. I I've been a voracious reader since I was a little kid. I read everything right now. I'm, I'm mostly reading nonfiction just cause I, I get into these weird phases, but, um, I could, I can't imagine not reading. And I feel sorry for people who don't read honestly, because I think it enriches your life like so much to read a yeah. book and to find, and, and it's just magic. I mean, it's, it's all in your head and it's just magic, but you just afterwards, after reading a good book, it's so satisfying and you feel like your life is better. So Anyway, agreed, agreed. <laughs> so do you prefer e-reader or physical copies? Um, I love the feel and the smell of a book, but just because of how much I read, I read uh, on my Kindle. Yeah, but Same. when I when I do have paperbacks, I, you know, I dog ear the pages, I highlight passages. I mean, it, for me, it's like a working copy. You know, I don't just keep them pristine. That thing is used. 
Um, I guess it just depends on the genre. For me, like my romance copies, like if, oh my God, I swear to God, if somebody was to touch them, I would kill somebody. Yep. I, so like, I read like ebook copies. Yeah. I read the ebook copies of romance novels. And then if I love the book, I'll buy the paperback. and I don't yep. touch them because I've already read them now. But like nonfiction and like horror, like my Stephen King books, Lord God, then things are falling apart. Stephen King is another one of my favorite authors because he's a master storyteller. You don't oh even realize what he's doing. He he sort of hooks you. And then before you know it, you can't put the book down because you're oh, just yeah. like, oh, you know, you have to know what's going to happen. At the end of every chapter, there's a little cliffhanger. I learned a lot from him, actually, because I, I love reading horror. Um, I, I can't watch a horror movie because the images are just stay in my head. I'm way too, like my, yeah. it's like a sponge. So I can't, but I can read horror. Um, and I remember reading the Amityville horror when I was, when I was little mm. and just like the hair on, on my arms was standing <laughs> up and I was like, oh, there's a scene with the flies. And I was just totally freaking out. Like, so it becomes visceral for me, you know, reading a book, but anyway, where were we? <laughs> Stephen King is yeah. honestly, okay. So I, I love him. Like if I was ever to meet him, I probably, pa- I probably pass out. <laughs> I have a tattoo of like his books and crap on my arm. I literally, wow. obsession, yeah, it's not, it's not funny. It's real. It's, it's an unhealthy it. obsession. That's okay. It's very unhealthy. Okay. I literally love him. So <laughs> like stalk him, love him. <laughs> yeah. So bad. The stand but, is like a masterpiece of. I have the first work. edition of that bad boy. You do? Yes. It's like this thick. It's like. Oh yeah. You should yeah. see it on my shelf. It's older than dirt. I love it though. <sighs> Nice. It's in a it's in a glass case. Anyhow, and they age well. His books oh. they age well. Yeah. Oh yes. So I, I think like okay. So a lot of people are like, oh my god, I can't read his books. Like they're too long. They're too wordy. And I'm like, okay, he yeah. has this ability to like hook you on something mm-hmm. that you don't even realize that you're you need to be like like he has a very very good way of like pulling your eye away mm-hmm. from what you need to be focusing on in order to like pull you into the story. And then like, before you realize it, you're like, oh my God, how did I not notice that? Well, that's why he's Stephen King. Yeah. He drops all these little, these little red herrings, they call them, or little Easter eggs or whatever. And at the end of the book, you're like, oh my God, you can see exactly where he was leading you. And all of his characters, even the little side characters that don't mean anything, they're all very interesting. Absolutely. Everybody has their own, their own, you, you, you can sense them. Like, it's a kind of like, you just get to know them in a couple chapters, all these different characters and the, and the settings, you know, are part of his stories too. He's it's usually these little small towns in Maine. Yeah, I know. I have, that's what the tattoo is. It's a, it's a directional post on my forearm of like locate the locations inside of his book. Like have like Gillid and Sidewinder and Jerusalem's Law and then Daring. Wow. And <laughs> I love yeah. it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay. That's my next goal to get some person to have something tattooed onto their body that I that I wrote. So right. yeah, we need to work on that. Okay. Don't give her ideas because she'll go and do it. I will do. Uh, okay. Don't play games. Uh, okay. So what? List? So what was your last five star read? Um. My last five star read, shit. I've been reading, you know, honestly, I have been reading really random stuff like Tom Brady's book on mental (laughs) toughness, right? Just like, yeah, just completely random. Um, I read a book about Tiger Woods. That was was a five star read. Fascinating. It was, (laughs) isn't that weird? And I'm I'm not an athlete or anything. I just looked at the cover and I read the blurb and I'm like, this sounds interesting. And I I couldn't put it down. It was really great. Nonfiction. Um, trying to think of what I've read recent. Well, that Robin Lee book, um, the idea of you is, is a, it's a stunner. You, you just got to read it. Yeah. 
Um, so that's a 10 star. That's on my top five books I've ever read book. So you got to read that one. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, I, I do a lot of, I'll pick up a book, I'll buy a book and I'll read the first five chapters or three chapters and just go, no. So I mean, I have a lot of like zero reads if you want me to give you that. <laughs> no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, but yeah, I wouldn't. Um, I just, I like books that are smart and funny and unexpected um, and where the writer isn't dumbing it down for the reader. My, I actually had an editor tell me one time that um, I, I used, my words were too big that I used. And I'm like, what? And she said, most people read in the eighth grade level. And I'm like, well, those aren't my readers. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I, people are smarter than you give them credit mm -hmm. for. And even if they run across a word in a sentence that maybe they're like unfamiliar with, they'll get it from the context. So I, I don't want to start talking down to my readers because of that. And so maybe that it took me longer to build a readership because, you know, I wasn't willing to. But the complexity of your novels is what makes them so good. Like, oh my God, don't listen to that editor. Kick her, kick her, kick yeah, her. Long gone. Yeah. You don't, like <laughs> don't like her. Yeah. She's a nice person, but I, I just didn't agree. And I'm like, okay. And, and you got to understand it's like in the publishing business there, this is a widget. This book is a widget. They want to sell as many widgets as they can. And they want, they want it to be easy for people to consume the widgets. So they're like, they were trying to help me. Um, and I was just, I'm not the kind of writer that can churn stuff out formulaically. I just can't do it. And I don't want to spend my life like that. Like it's, yeah. it's nice to make a living writing books, but it's also about, you know, how I spend my life. So anyway, I just, you guys are smart. Readers are smart. So it's like, why talk down to them with, you know, Joe went over to the bar. It's like, no, you can say, you can make it more interesting than that. Absolutely. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> so we're going to move to writing questions. When did you first realize you wanted to be a writer slash author? Well, when I was growing up, I really just wanted to be like queen of the universe. <laughs> I didn't, yeah. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just like, I wanted to be a gymnast. I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to do commercial art. I, I wanted to you know, own a business. I had really no idea ever what I was going to do when I grew up. I kind of still don't, Yeah. Um, but I was always a reader. I always loved to read. And to me, books were just a refuge and, um, I was, I was a very introverted kid and I'm still very introverted and I just love my cat and my books. Like that's what I wanted to do, you know? So books have always been a huge part of my life. And, um, and at some point I just realized that I was actually kind of good at writing, like during school and stuff, you know, English was my thing. And so I read Twilight, like everybody else in the world. <laughs> And after that came out, you know, and I loved it. People make fun of it, but I'm like, I, I thought it was a really enjoyable reading experience. I loved it. After it came out, somebody did an interview with Stephanie Meyer and they said, um, you know, well, did you go to school for this to become a writer? And she said, no, I mean, she was just a stay at home mom. And yeah. she said, I, I had a dream one night and I woke up from this dream and I started writing this book. And I was just like blown away by that. And, you know, it sold 150 million copies. And I said to myself, if she can do it, you know, I can do it. Why not? Why not try? So I did. So I, so it wasn't until I was 40 that I wrote my first book and then I sent it around and I found a literary agent and, you know, it took her a while to sell it, but she sold it. And the first book was, um, was successful. So, so that was kind of it. It wasn't like I ever decided. And again, this is my whole life. I just kind of, I go like, Oh, let's try this now. Let's try this now. I'm not organized in, in the way that I go about doing things. I just go with what feels good which yeah. probably <laughs> might not be the most intelligent thing to do, but like, 
I just want to be happy and live my life in a happy way. So I, I try and just go with what feels good, you know, and at that time in my life, I was like, I'm 40 years old. I really just want to write this book that I've always felt like I should maybe write. So it wasn't like, you know, something hit me out of the, out of the sky. I just, it was kind of always in me that I love books and I wanted to, and I think writing is a magical, I mean, it sounds kind of corny, but I think writing books is a magical way to communicate with people. I agree. And, you know, I get to do things like this and you guys read my words and, and it just, it, it blows me away because I'm not the kind of person who makes friends like socially easily, you know, I'm, I feel very awkward in crowds and stuff like that. So for me, I live most of my life in my head, you know, and to, I put it down on paper and then you guys can read it and, and then I can connect with people that way. So that's probably why I ended up becoming a writer. Either that or I just sort of, God only knows, joined the circus. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did because I love your books. So Thank you. um, do you have any interesting writing quirks? Like you have to be eating Twizzlers when you're writing or like wearing. I do love Twizzlers. Hat. It's funny that you say that. I love Twizzlers, but I don't, I don't. <laughs> food in bed. No, because I'm a messy eater and it would just be everywhere. But, um, I, I eat, I'm sorry. I, uh, I write in bed. Um, I, on my laptop, I just get my cozies on, you know, my little yoga pants or whatever. And I sit up in bed and I, I always write in bed and the cat is there and it has to be totally silent. I have noise canceling headphones that I put on. Um, I would fall asleep. Oh no. I have to just be physically comfortable and like in yeah. bed is where most, com- I love bed. I love to sleep. I take naps, you know, I'm like a sloth. So that's, that's where I feel most comfortable. So I, I just sit in bed and I, and I write. Um, yeah. But other than that, no, I, I don't like music in the background at all. I can't, I have to be alone and it has to be just me in the room, the cat, you know, a glass of I wine, whatever. Yeah. So what do you like to do? Well, I guess, okay. What do you like to do when you're not writing? I feel like you're going to say re- reading. I, I do read. I spend a lot of time reading. I take very long baths. I told you I'm a sloth. Like I'm very lazy. I like to. Nap. I also love baths. <laughs> yeah, I like to. I like to take a bath. Um, my husband golfs a lot, so I'm trying to be better, like going to golf. But it's it's like let's be honest, it's a stupid game, but um, it's challenging. So I I try and golf. I like to I like to go outside, but you know socialize. Like, you know we have our friends and everything, but mainly I, I like to. Uh, I like to, I like to write. I like to work. You know, I'm kind of a workaholic. Yeah. Like I go through phases where I'm like, nobody talked to me for a month. Cause I'm just locked in this room. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't really have any interesting hobbies like rock climbing or skydiving or anything like that. I'm very, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do anything that takes too much physical effort. <laughs> like, yeah. So what does your family think about your writing and have any of them read your books? Oh, this is actually funny. So when my, when I first started writing, um, I told my parents, I didn't tell my parents that I was writing until after I got a publishing contract and they were just kind of like, what, what now? Like, what are you doing? My husband and I owned a flower shop at the time. And they're just like, I don't understand what's happening. Um, so my dad thought it would be really cool to buy his friends copies of all my books. Right. And I said, dad, these are, these are romance novels. And he's like, oh, it's going to be great. Okay. My dad was like 75 at the time. Right. And he's, he's like a retired engineer and all of his friends are like that. So he gets this book and he reads it and he's just like, like, where did you learn? I'm just like, it's, it's imagination. I told you dad, don't read the damn thing. So after that, they didn't read more of my books, but, um, and my husband has read about five pages of one of my books and he puts it down he looks at me and he's just like, 
I don't understand. Why is this happening? Why is that happening? You know, why is there straw on the floor? Why is it like he, he just couldn't get into it? And I'm like, that's it. You're never reading. So that's it. So he never read any of my books. And I tried to get my brother to read my one of my books too. And he's just like, why would I read a romance novel? Like, so no, nobody reads anything of mine in my family, which is probably for the best, right? Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I would, I would literally probably kill my father. I would kill him. I would. And like the stuff I've been writing lately, like I said, my parents passed away. Like I wouldn't even want that out in the world if, when they were like, my poor, my poor dad would just drop dead of a heart attack if he read cage. So I have to get all that stuff out of my head, you know, when I'm, when I'm trying to write, but yeah. So we are going to move to our last section of the podcast, which is trope questions. This is our favorite portion. And I'm super excited to hear your answers for this. What is your favorite trope to write and why? <clears throat> My favorite trope. Um, well, mm-hmm. disappointingly, I just write what moves me at the time. And then afterwards, I look back and I say, oh, okay, that was this trope. But like I said earlier, I write a lot of Beauty and the Beast trope because I love that misunderstood hero thing. I love yeah. that. And I love... Um, I love misunderstood characters and I love characters who other people um, don't, they, what's the word? I don't know. Um, so Beauty and the Beast, a lot, a lot of, a lot of my books are Beauty and the Beast books. I'm, I'm really into the mafia trope right now because it's super fun. I'm here for um, it. Yeah. That's, what that's, is, what, what is one trope you would eventually like to write and why? Um, one trope I would like to write. I don't write, I don't choose what I'm going to write based on a trope. So I choose what I'm going to write based on something occurs to me, whether it's, um, I've overheard a conversation. So wicked beautiful, that whole book was based on, it was inspired by a conversation I overheard in a grocery store standing in line behind this couple That's one had- hell of a conversation in a grocery, grocery no, store. they're having they were having a they were having an argument and the guy says to her you're such a bitch right and it's a quiet little argument in front of us you're such a bitch of course I'm paying attention because I love to eavesdrop on shit and she and she looks at him and she goes I'm not a bitch I'm the bitch and I was like damn girl right so so I, I was about I, to be like because I know the plot of Wicked Beautiful. And I was like, what in the hell? That's a long ass crazy. So, but that's, but that's, that's how my, that's how my books are inspired. Something happens and I go, oh, that's it, you know? And I sit down. And so then I know the conflict and I know this woman has been, you know, badly scorned by men and she's a man hater and she's a bitch. And so that book opens with a definition of the word bitch and she's just owning it. She's like, and she makes her whole empire out of I'm a bitch and I want to teach other women how to be bitches because that's the only way we can be powerful in this male dominated world. So I don't go by trope. I just go by what sounds interesting. That's it. I'm here for it. Okay. So I guess what is one trope you'll never write, or I guess like a theme you'll never write. Well, I would never write children's books. Um, I actually think they might even be harder to write than books for adults, but um, I, I would never go into the children's book thing. Um, I do have to say that like sort of taboo has been intriguing me lately. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the writer VC Andrews and the flowers in the attic series. Okay. I read that when I was really young and that has always made an impression on me. Like how did she make this relationship between the brother and the sister 
not be so gross where you, you actually read the book and you're kind of like rooting for them. It's like, so something like that, I think that might be a little bit edgy towards taboo. I, I think I might want to write, but it has to just be the right time and the right, the right inspiration. I'm not attracted to reverse harem at all. I haven't read any of those books, so maybe I'm totally wrong, but uh, I just like the one-on-one, you know, true love. They go through all their troubles and then, you know, they have a happily ever after. I don't want all these other people involved. Now, that's not to say that a third party doesn't make things interesting sometimes, but, um, or problematic, but mm, I don't want to, you know, read about, that's like, to me, that's a whole separate, like, is that even romance? I don't know. It's a whole separate thing. Super sexy and hot, but you look like, where's, where's the love, man? So I don't know. <laughs> I'm telling you, listen, I love a good reverse harem. I love- I've never read them. Harem. Should I? Okay. Tell me who I should read. Reverse oh, God. Okay, Maybe cool. I'm wrong. Okay. So I will say this, that I think for me, what sells me on a good reverse harem is if each of the boys in the harem get a POV. That way oh. you can see okay. like why each of them complement the harem and the girl and also it's about a strong female i would guess she'd have Absolutely. to be right okay okay so okay. cl matthews has uh-huh. this series called here lies a corpse oh and i like it already each, okay oh yeah each book has like each book it's the same girl her name is colt and her pov is always in each book mm-hmm. but each book is in a different boy's pov so you learn more about each boy in the harem in each book and it's so how does this work? Like, so the other guys know about each other. They definitely, in this one, they okay. definitely do. They know about each other. Okay. That's and fine. so she kind of like, she kind of starts a relationship with one at a time or like all at a time. Well, like, she bring them in like sister wives or something. <laughs> she <laughs> needs all the answers. No, she yeah, has. I like- know. <laughs> all right. I'll just read it. I'll read it. We can talk about it after I read it. We'll, we'll do a little book yes. report afterwards. Okay. And basically it follows like a murder mystery mystery Cold okay so that makes it interesting all right yeah, yeah. So she's just doing all these hot guys on the side and they fall in love with her okay i could probably get on board with that all right pretty much i'm telling okay. you it's so good it's so okay good. <laughs> all right well if my next series is a uh, reverse harem you're gonna know how it all started so i'm here for it i'm here okay. for it okay all right stevie you take the last question okay if you were in a book what trope would you want for your story if I was in a book, what trope would I want for my story? Oh my God. I don't know. Queen bitch rules the world. Like I'd want to be Sloan. I think, um, what trope is that? I guess that's mafia, but I really don't want that in real life. Like, I don't want to deal with all that violence. Like I'm, you know, I'm yeah, I'm too high strung to deal with all that mafia shit in real life, but, um, I don't know, probably like just like beauty and the beast. I mean, like in real life, my story with my husband was like a like a love at first sight thing, which is maybe why I write romance. And, you know, when people mock like love at first sight doesn't happen, like, oh, it absolutely happens. I was staring at him across the restaurant. He was staring at me. We met and that was it. It was like, so um, yeah, we've been like 21 years. I know. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. I'm, I I was a child bride, obviously. So Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I probably just, uh, I love the beauty and the beast trope so much. I like a good Cinderella story too, where, you know, she's brags to riches kind of a thing. I agree. Yeah. Probably. That. So that is our last question for you, sadly, but this has been so fun. You've been so amazing. I'm going to let you. Stevie announce who the next episode is. And then we are going to tell you goodbye. Okay. 
I feel like I need a drum roll. I need to get a soundboard for this podcast. Um, tomorrow is Trelina Pucci. She looks I love her. I she love her. She is my okay. spirit animal. <laughs> I love her as well. Uh, I can't wait to chat with her. But JT, you have been amazing. Thank, thank you for you. joining us. I'm obsessed with you. And we hope to chat with you soon. I love that. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast, you guys. Thank you so much.